Hi everybody, uh, I am in a big time crunch to edit the audio in this week's episode of Nintendo Week, so the transitions may be a little sloppier than you're used to, uh, please understand. Uh, in fact, later on in the episode we are actually going to ask you about the audio editing in general in Nintendo Week, and so now could be a good time to keep your ears open and think about how you think this episode stacks up to others that you hear uh, and the level of audio quality that you generally expect from us. So yeah, keep that in mind and uh, get back to us on Twitter as you're answering those questions that we have later in the episode. Thank you. Without further ado, here we go. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Nintendo Week for the end of week of June 29th through July 12th. I'm your host, Colin McIsaac, and as always, I'm joined by Alex Plant. Gotta Pokemon go fast. And Ben Lamoureux. Literally the only person in the U.S. not playing Pokemon Go. <laughs> this week we have got tons of Pokemon news. Uh, we're going to talk about Splatfest sending, Pikmin 4, some big corporate shakeups at Nintendo, and of course, Pokemon Go. That Pokemon Go is coming in our Game Corner segment after the break, and then following that, we're going to have a brief discussion with you listeners on the future of Nintendo Week, because we're not really sure we can keep doing this exactly the way we have been. Um, and we plan to stick around for a long time, but we want to make sure that we're actually able to, and we want to make sure that however we do change, you guys are still getting just as much, if not more, out of the show. Um... Because, you know, we we don't want to strip you guys of something you love. We can't deprive you of our greatness. <laughs> exactly. As Ben says We can says deprive it. you of Ben's greatness. That's fine. With that all said, let's head on into the news block. So we've got a ton of new Pokemon revealed for Sun and Moon. There are too many to list, but you can check out some of the original reveal trailers and the English version as well, alongside a complete list with detailed descriptions of all the new Pokemon we know about from Alola, a battle gameplay video showing two of them in action, and a whole ton of screenshots that show off returning Pokemon in Alola like Pichu, Psyduck, and Zubat, and the return of Pokemon riding from X and Y. After all that, they revealed another new Pokemon called Salandit, I think is pronounced. Uh, who is a poison fire type with a new ability that lets it poison both steel type and poison type Pokemon. And finally, or not finally, uh, <laughs> two more Pokemon were revealed by Koro Koro Magazine, a normal fighting panda and a ghost fairy type that dresses up in a ratty old peak costume, and then uh, right before we started recording, a new trailer dropped, so um, there's some stuff that we saw from that, but I'm not sure if we're going to be as on top of it as we need to be to really talk about it today. Uh, we'll see. Uh, Pokemon and Mii's returning? That's the only thing that I got out of it. Yeah, I, I think we know about that before. I'm not sure, though. Um, yeah. It'll be censored I got, in the Western Also, versions. there are no new evolutions. it seems, Uh you can tell from the trailer, too. Which is a um, little sad. Yeah, a little bit. But, I don't know. I Evolutions never really... I'm canceling my, my imaginary so. pre-order right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, alright, that is a lot to dig into. Um, first off, reactions to all these new designs and stuff? Alex, I know you're with me. Ew. Yeah, I think I think Solandit is like the only one that I can tolerate, and maybe that new ghost fairy type. Uh, yeah, that I've, one. 
at first I was like, that was my least favorite of all at first, but I'm kind of warming up to it now. Poorly um, drawn Pikachu. Yeah, I mean, it's basically like a second grade drawing come to life. Well, um, I think the theme for it is supposed to be it, it disguises itself as other Pokemon, so kind of like Ditto, but can kind of like a worse version of Ditto because the costumes oh. look so terrible. <laughs> well, no, I kind of like that idea if it can actually take you know costumes from other Pokemon. If it's well, just we know Pikachu, it has a special ability called Disguise, which is a new ability, but we don't know what that does. We don't have any info okay. on that yet. So okay, yeah, I bet um, the I bet the Pikachu thing is just kind of the standard artwork, but I don't know if that means we'll yeah, see more maybe. artwork they for did more Pokemon. Briefly show it wearing the Pikachu costume in the new trailer too for like a split second. So. Yeah, I saw that. Um, let's see. Then there's 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 lots more. Uh, this normal panda thing. Any specific reactions? It's Meh. funny because when I saw, then it was revealed. I was like, "Oh, that that one's kind of looks like kind of like a, a cute but dangerous sort of thing." And then I looked at the description, and apparently, it's like this like That's deadly, exactly deadly killing machine. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, um, one thing that I'm enjoying uh, out of out of all the new Pokemon are, are the descriptions, though, because they seem yes. Uh, even if they're visually uninteresting, the descriptions they're coming up with are really interesting. It, it seems like they're putting a lot of thought into these Pokemon. Maybe not necessarily into their designs. I mean, I'm sure they are. This is just mm-hmm. our subjective opinions and, right. and not really enjoying the designs but it's clear that there's you know inspiration behind these pokemon and they're not just slapping crap out and calling it something new uh you know it actually feels right. like they're they're trying to develop the world and the inhabitants of it no absolutely yeah. and that's that's i think one of the things that i actually um i'm kind of split on that with these new pokemon because i think that they are I think the designs and their inspirations are getting too specifically inspired, not inspired by a more general sense that you're trying to create a world of animals. But, like, for example, um, Chargebug, the battery one, like, its eyes are, like, you know, 80% full battery icons. Its body itself is a battery. Its fangs are kind of like plugs. Like, I just feel like a lot of the designs are extremely creative and inspired, and they're really interesting and unique ways to take um, the ideas that they're thinking of for specific Pokemons, incorporating their types, um, and, and fitting them you know, within this sort of system of, especially of competitive battle, because I think they're taking a lot of interesting, like, um, metagame stuff, like the Pokemon's abilities and the way that they interact with each other, like, for example, Chargebug and Vikavolt, if you have them in a double battle, Chargebug can, like, supply Vikavolt with extra energy. I mean, like, so if you're kind of losing track of what I'm saying, that is kind of my point there's just <laughs> so much that they're doing with these pokemon all at the same time i feel like they're doing it all really really well but they're just doing way too much and that's yeah. where it loses me like what i like is the more you know grimer is a pile of sludge it's poison type it's gross it smells bad that's the kind of thing i like i don't you know as much as i appreciate the creative inspirations i don't think that they're making a world that is as much like our own as it is Sure. Like a competitive battle come to life. Does that make sense? So, so maybe to distill what you're saying, you think these new designs are kind of too busy, and so as a result, they don't feel like they're authentic creatures living in an authentic world? Yeah. Yeah. Well said, Alex. <laughs> it's 
my job. <laughs> so you mentioned uh, new abilities and competitive purposes and things like that. And uh, one of the things I'm most excited about is that Salandit's ability is that it can poison anything, including, yes. including other poison types and steel types. So I think that's going to be used as a major, uh, you know, if it doesn't have crap stats when it evolves, I think it'll be used as a wall breaker competitively, something that can come in mm-hmm. and just, oh, you're a steel wall? Not anymore. Yeah. You're um, and it's a fire talking- type, so... Yeah. yeah, it could also potentially have the ability to uh, to spread burns as well. Oh, interesting. Yeah, um, I know people have been talking about the poison fire dual type. How you know it can just get wrecked by ground type moves. Mm-hmm. I wonder though if it's going to evolve into something that, for example, has like really high defense, so that ground isn't as much of a problem. Um, you know, obviously we're going to have to see, but I think it could be interesting the way that they sort of balance that in the metagame. Yeah. Riding Pokemon is back. Uh, do we think that that's going to uh, have anything to do with, you know, more than just hopping on a Rhydon for a few feet? Or You know, I certainly hope so. Uh, we've talked in previous episodes about how I felt like Pokemon X and Y were sort of a half step in the right direction. Uh-huh. And that, uh, you know, Sun and Moon have, have, are really evolving on that basic formula setup and, you know, improving on it, making it better, making it feel right. more like they're actually accomplishing the sort of things they want to do with their gameplay. So right. I'm hopeful that that means that, you know, they introduced riding in X and Y and people really liked it. People thought it was really cool, but they didn't really do much with it. So I'm hoping that that's another thing where they take it up to the next level with Sun and Moon. Agreed. Um, that seems like it's it. Uh, uh, one thing I remember I wanted to say was, I do think that, uh, so Alex, you distilled what my, my point pretty nicely. They don't feel like authentic creatures living in an authentic world. Um, but I noticed there are a lot of, like, older Pokemon designs. Um, like, you know, those screenshots show off Pichu and Psyduck and Zubat. So, I think this may be one of the first games that I, like, like, I dislike these new designs enough that I don't really want to use them. Um, in games like Black and White, I wasn't really too fond of those designs, uh, but I still planned my team around, like, I, I came to really like, uh, for example, uh, Galvantula and Wargle, um, but this time around, I I think I may just kick back, enjoy the Pokemon that I like, build a team out of Pokemon that I like for once, rather than, you know, a strategically sort of sculpted team of six, um, which could be interesting. It could change up the way I play Pokemon. You know, we'll see how it goes, because I, I like Sun and Moon. If the NPC teams are, are composed correctly and the AI is decent enough, you might even get an enjoyment out of fighting them and not necessarily using them. So there's still you could still enjoy them that way. Just so I can enjoy seeing everything I hate and beating it to a pulp? <laughs> yeah, sure. That's that's how we'll see it. <laughs> sure. It came, came out of your mouth, not um, mine. But yeah. Don't abuse animals, kids. <laughs> Nintendo is ending Splatoon's Splatfest this month with one final showdown, Callie versus Marie, the two squid sisters themselves. The online modes for Splatoon will still continue to be available, of course, uh, but that Splatfest starts July 22nd, uh, but I thought that that makes now a good time to reflect on Splatfests as a whole and consider what they did really well and where they didn't really live up to their potential, as well as anything uh, that we think of along the way. Um, I know the big thing that sticks out to me is how early it feels like Splatfests are over, barely more than a year after the game is launched. Yeah. Is that a good choice, do you think? Is now the right time, or is it too early? You know, it kind of seems like they would take so little effort that I don't really know why they wouldn't continue with it for a little while longer. I mean, the code can't be any different besides just swap out some text and swap the two images out. Yeah, right. It's the the same sort of event every single time. Right. Um, 
I know for my part, like I haven't been participating in all of them, mostly because I like have a life on the weekends and try to get out of the house like a <laughs> like a functioning a functioning adult. But um, Ew. but I, what, one of the reasons why I was okay with doing that was because I thought this game was going to get online support for at least another year or so. And so Splatfest it's, support or just Splat, online support? Splatfest support. Okay. Um, okay. And so you know I wasn't ready for them to end. Right. Um, and I know my wife wasn't ready for them to end either. She's playing the mm-hmm. game right now, actually. Um, <laughs> I think. We can assume. We can, we can assume. Although I haven't heard any cursing come from downstairs. Anyway, um, <laughs> it it's kind of disappointing because this was one of the first games that Nintendo really designed with online kind of at the forefront. And yeah, I would hope that they would want to put their best foot forward and make sure that that's a game that kind of has a long life so that people can expect the same out of their future online games. And that's really, I mean, it's going to go on, but, but Splatfests were like a really cool community rallying sort of thing. And those are going away. And so, you know, is, are yeah. we only going to get one year of support for their other online games? That would really suck, especially if <laughs> NX is a thing that really does well and lives for a long time. Well, I think part of the reason that Splatfests are getting one-year support is because Wii U is not a thing that's a huge success and yeah. does not do well for a very long time. Um, well, but sure, but it, one thing that I've said in the past is that one thing that Sony did really well uh, in their transition to PS4 was they gave PS3 a lot of support even toward the end of its yes. life. And as a result, that built up a lot of goodwill uh, on Sony's part that, that really carried over into excitement for PS4. And so it's right. it just kind of sucks that during this year of nothing for Nintendo, they're cutting off one of the one of the few things that they really had going for them, which is these yeah. community events. No, I definitely agree, and I, and I feel like I mean, for one, I feel like Cali versus Marie is the perfect way to end it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, oh yeah, especially I, right after they launched the Squid Sisters Amiibo. Oh yeah, well, and I think part of that is probably because they knew. All right, we're gonna end Splatfests relatively soon. We're going to make these amiibo that give you Splatfest aesthetics in the game yeah. um, so that you can still enjoy you yeah. know, what we made and, and this really important part of Splatoon, even though the online community aspect of it is going away. Um, it's funny that you but, mentioned the whole keeping the Splatfest aesthetic going because one thing that you could have read into as a good thing is that they've decided to bring this feature that's only available like through the online play and kind of bring it down in a sort of an offline way. But at the same time, they're locking it behind the Amiibo paywall. So it's kind of like a bittersweet move on their part. Eh, kind of. I feel like it would have been less bittersweet, not so much because of the paywall, but because like Splatfests are ending. If, if they had released the Amiibo and also kept Splatfests going, I don't think there would have been a problem. Yeah. Um, but... Um, you know, I, I think also part of the reason that we were so, cause like you, Alex, I haven't been participating in hardly any of the Splatfests. Uh, unlike you, it's not because I'm a functioning member of society. It's because they were stupid stuff like rice versus toast. Sure. I mean, mm-hmm. who yeah. wants, who's going to fight for well, that? <laughs> you know, I, I thought I could, I could have seen it being a thing where they mined a lot of the stuff that they had done for the Everybody Votes channel back on the in the Wii days. And that, oh, con- the, that those questions great. are already there. They don't need to create yeah. them. They just kind of need to wrap, you know, the, the shirts and the, the Callie and Marie banter around it. Um, mm-hmm. Like that, those went on for a really long time. And I kind of thought, you know, this is a, bit, a similar enough mm-hmm. concept that there's really no reason that they shouldn't be able to keep it going. I think that the best opportunity would have been more crossover stuff, like they did Team SpongeBob yeah. and Team Patrick, yeah. Autobots versus Decepticons. And those I mean, were my those favorites. Were... I participated in all oh, of them. Oh, no, definitely. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I think those kinds of crossovers, and Nintendo can just dig into their own IP for that. They don't even need to yep. work out any contracts with third-party stuff. People would have been all over Mario, Mario versus, versus Luigi. Luigi. More, you know, they had Pokemon Red versus Blue. They could do Gold versus Silver. They could do X versus Y. Um, I mean, there's Olimar versus Louie, like, you know, yeah. Robin versus Crom. There's so... Hoshido versus Nor. Like, there's, yeah. there's so many things Nintendo could have done all on their own that would have gotten people a lot more excited for Splatfests. And I feel like part of part of the reason that they're ending is because activity was low. But I feel, but you know, activity was low be, in part because they didn't really do a good job making contests that people were interested in. Yeah, um, I for one would have been way more incentivized if they let you keep the shirts. Like, mm-hmm. we said that before, that yep. would have been a really good compliment to your, the idea you were just talking about with Nintendo IP, yeah. t-shirts. That would have been really great, especially if they paired it with other items. Um, Definitely. I, I do hope that their sort of lack of activity in that area means that they're planning to do more for an NX version. Yeah. But, you know, I can't really have faith in Nintendo getting an online <laughs> an online, <laughs> online support for a game right until I see it. Especially after, you know, what we're we're talking about with Splatoon. Sure. Um, I mean, yeah, like, I just had a lot more hope for Splatfests as a, you know, longer-term thing than this. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, like we've said, we haven't really been participating. I don't really feel too bad that they're ending, but I just feel like it is a missed opportunity. And like you're saying about Goodwill going into NX, I mean, we've got now nine months of Splatoon is just going to be the online multiplayer shooter base game. Yeah. And not, you know, the the Splatfest. Is there no more updates? I'm pretty sure. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah, uh, just the base game, I guess, no more updates. None of these community events bringing people back in and getting people routinely excited about it. So, I don't know. I just feel like like it's a misstep all around. I don't care particularly strongly about it, but it's disheartening. Yeah. And you're going to love this segue, but that means that all we have to look forward this year in terms of ongoing content support is Hyrule Warriors Legends DLC. Excellent segue, because a data miner seems to have discovered the three DLC characters left for Hyrule Warriors Legends. Uh, It's all unconfirmed, so don't take it as gospel just yet, but it looks like we're getting Toon Zelda in the Phantom Hourglass and Spirit Tracks pack, and then Ravio and Yuga in the Link Between Worlds pack. Boo! (laughs) Yeah, that's good. You want a lineback? No, no Toon Zelda. Lineback is the clear choice. I also yeah. wanted line. This back. is like I, I this agree. is like this is like pink gold peach, except for not quite as bad because I guess Toon Zelda was released in Spirit Tracks. <laughs> At least Toon like, Zelda existed. Yeah, I, I definitely uh, would like, have preferred Linebeck over Toon Zelda, but I don't own Hyrule Warriors Legends, so I can't really complain too much. <laughs> yeah. And then I think Ravio and Yuga are both good choices. I also would have yeah. liked to have seen Hilda. I think sure. Hilda would have been a better choice than Toon Zelda, just in general. Could, yeah, but, uh, but imagine if we had Hour Zelda, Glass. Tetra, Toon Zelda, and Hilda. Like, ah. And they might as well just just give Hilda's staff to Zelda or something, in my opinion. And maybe yeah. they'll do that with, yeah. the, with a pack. Well, and yeah, Zelda has possible. the Hilda costume already, so. Yeah. And that worked, or they'll that works give it well. to Toon Zelda. Who knows? 
Sure. Um, but, you know, p part of me, I agree, I'm a little disappointed it's not Lineback, but, you know, part of me also knows I'm sure they're going to want to have some sort of Hyrule Warriors game on NX, yeah. whether it's, like, an Ultimate Edition or, like, you know, just Hyrule Warriors 2. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah you know, quickly, I think it is uh, smart to save or, the characters no, that people are actually excited about, like, we're getting excited about Lineback, you know, we want Groose, maybe the Happy Mask Salesman, um, characters that... Pe Vati, uh, yeah, that people Vati. can actually get really mm -hmm. interested in and, and hold those off for the next version of the game because if they waste them all on this one, then, you know, if they have just Toon Zelda and Hilda and Tetra 2 left for Hyrule Warriors 2, then, you know, well, there will it's be, not going to be know, as Breath exciting. There'll be, there'll be Breath of the Wild stuff, I'm sure. Will there be any characters somewhere. in Breath of the Wild, though? Ooh, big question. <laughs> uh, I, I'll play as Old Man. It, yeah, was, <laughs> it would be their their perfect opportunity to put old man in there and then give him the retro old man skin too. Yeah, um, he attacks with fire. But old man is already playable because we got King Harkin, not King Harkinian, God, King <laughs> King Daphnis Which in King Harkinian. Legends. I mean, King Harkinian. There we go. We get the CDI characters. That's how they. <laughs> that's how they incentivize it. Oh man, <laughs> I can't wait. Oh my god. Squadala. Miyamoto says finishing Pikmin 4 hasn't been one of Nintendo's priorities lately. You may remember the game was nearly complete last July, but Miyamoto says they've been having a hard time squeezing it into their list of priorities. Uh, but he adds, we're hopefully starting to see that on the list now. So, you guys are going to hate me for this, because I know you're both really big Pikmin fans, whereas I'm not. You know, I, think, I have a lot of respect for the franchise, but it's not, it's not in my top favorite Nintendo games, mm -hmm. you know, by a long shot. I was actually really glad to hear this because I remember rolling my eyes a few years ago when people kept pestering Miyamoto saying, when are you going to finally make a new IP? And he's like, oh, yeah, I'd love to make something new, but, you know, I'm just really busy with Pikmin 3 over here. I'm like, I was yeah. like, what? what? I, I don't have time to make a new IP because I'm working on Pikmin? So, so Pikmin is like his go-to franchise to, like, use as a scapegoat instead of making a new IP. <laughs> That's what we're saying. But they spent like six years developing that game, and it barely sold a million copies. So it's it's from a business perspective, and also from just wanting new things made by Shigeru Miyamoto. I'm glad to hear that this time around he was like, "All right, let's set Pikmin off to the side, and you know, we'll, let's work on some other priorities first. Yeah, I'm 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 totally okay with it. Right? No, I agree with you. I'm a big Pikmin fan, but you know. I can go back and replay Pikmin 1, 2, 3 all the time. So, I mean, yeah, I'm excited for Pikmin 4, but I definitely think that more new IP and other games are a much better investment for Nintendo. Um, so, I mean, I'm happy either way. Like, But, yeah, I'm with you. Honestly, I think this move will be good for Pikmin 2. <laughs> Pikmin as well. Because... Um, Pikmin was a great sort of proof-of-concept game on GameCube for what the hardware could do, but on mm -hmm. Wii U... Uh, it was very evident that it was a Wii game that had moved to Wii U development, and I'm guessing we'll probably get the same sense with Pikmin 4 if it starts off as kind of a, a launch title for NX. So, in a way, I think Pikmin, which is a game that people loved in the first place, partly because it was such a beautiful game, will really benefit from coming out later in the NX's life cycle when Nintendo's kind of gotten more familiar with the tools and sort of developed the initial sort of impressive proof-of-concept games already. Um, well... I think I think I'm Pikmin not... will. Go ahead. I think Pikmin will be a, a, a heavier hitter later in, in in the system's life when it's not trying to sell to a new install base as well. 
So I actually don't think that is the case. Because um, we remember last year, he in July, he said Pikmin 4 was almost complete. Uh, and he's saying now that hopefully we're starting to see Pikmin 4 in the list of priorities again. We've got about eight, nine months until the NX launches. I kind of, you know, obviously I don't, have any kind of insider information on this, but I imagine this will be something that, you know, finishing up is just a matter of a couple months work, and then they're ready to have it out by the time NX is is coming to market. And the reason that it's not been on the list of priorities until now is that they know that they only need to, you know, they don't really need to work on it very much. They can just sort of wait off until the NX is coming closer and closer to launch, and then just put on the finishing touches and throw it off the throw it out the door see with most people uh i would agree but this is shigeru miyamoto and i'm just so and used this to him Pikmin. saying oh yeah Shiger- this game's yeah. almost done and then it comes out three years later so true yeah i mean they, and he, he said is such a passion about project Zelda for him. in 2014 like oh yeah. it's way further in development than you people think it is yeah. like <laughs> i was gonna say like true. didn't they this say at true. the beginning of 2015 that zelda was gonna come out at the end of the year like that didn't happen <laughs> this is true well so we'll see i guess um i don't know i'm i'm still convinced it's sort of in the launch window um just because, you know, we, we know that they're really putting such a big emphasis on making sure the NX launches with a strong lineup of games. So, um, but we'll see. You know, you guys are totally right. That's totally possible. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Fortune Street, a segment where we discuss recent updates from the more businessy side of Nintendo, from their financial status to sales data, various tech projects and stuff like that. First up... Scott Moffat, Nintendo of America's Vice President of Sales and Marketing, is leaving the company, and his position is being dissolved and dissipated to a handful of other employees. I am very okay with this. Because while I think Scott Moffat at least has a good head on his shoulders, like the things that I'd hear him say were usually not weird in some way, um, (laughs) I have very much not been a fan of any commercial Nintendo has put out Nintendo themselves have put out in the last, like, five years or so. Yeah, because, I mean, let's face it, like, their marketing has been absolutely atrocious this past generation. They've been underselling just about everything but Amiibo. You know, we know this. He's the vice president of marketing and sales. Uh, I mean, I don't know hardly anything about Scott Moffat's actual internal performance, so that's not a knock on him, uh, because, you know, there were a million other factors at play for what marketing and sales are, but, you know, you look at the results of the last five years of marketing and sales, and those results certainly suggest that for whatever reason, his arrangement with Nintendo just wasn't working out. Um... And like you said, you know, he had a good head on his shoulders. <laughs> what he said wasn't weird. Um, but, you know, maybe maybe that has something to do with him conflicting with Nintendo in some way. Because um, a lot of what Nintendo says is weird. Um, <laughs> yeah. What, what I'm really just concerned... So, like you guys, I'm okay with this. But what I'm concerned about is that they're not hiring some fresh new blood to fill his shoes and, and bring outside expertise to Nintendo. Um, I'm concerned because they are just sort of dissipating that to other employees who are maybe, you know, sort of working in the same situations as him, learning from him, and so therefore maybe, can't say for sure, but maybe learning some not great lessons. Um, I guess time will tell if that turns out well. But yeah, Well, when it comes to Scott Moffat, I, I never particularly disliked him, but 
I, I didn't feel like there was much personality there. He just kind of always yeah. gave the PR answer. And, you know, yes. you usually get the PR answer from guys like Reggie, too, but they've got a little more personality on the side. You know, they, they feel a little more personable at times, whereas with Scott Moffat, I felt like I, whenever I read a statement by him, it could have been any generic PR person from any company. I didn't really feel like there was much there that, you know, made me interested in, in him as a sure. person. He wasn't a Nintendo icon. Sure. I mean, sure. to his credit, that could be just because of, you know, that could be the amount that Nintendo wanted to put him in the spotlight versus right. someone like Reggie. Like, you know, we get to see Reggie shine when he does silly stuff like mm-hmm. saying, uh, Bill was, you know, dumping on my Japanese skills, so I sent him off on a, quote, vacation, you know. Or uh, challenging um, someone in a Smash Bros. tournament. Yeah. Right, exactly. Like, like I... Reggie can do that kind of stuff because people like Reggie and they see his personality because he's, you know, already placed in that such a high position at Nintendo. It's possible that Scott Moffat could have accomplished the same things if they actually put him out there as much as they would someone like Reggie. But, you know. If he went up on stage speculation, at E3 and said, sure. uh, we're about kicking ass and making games. Yeah, I mean, if if Nintendo would let anyone do that these days. <laughs> sure. Uh, Colin, you had said something about um, sort of being concerned about uh, New Blood not coming into Phil's shoes. I'm not mm-hmm. so worried about that because I think something that we've seen in the last couple of years is that we've seen a lot of uh, younger developers heading these internal Nintendo pro- development projects, and we've seen the marketing mm-hmm. for those projects come out swinging. So I think a lot like of Splatoon. it... Like Splatoon, like Pokemon Go, mm-hmm. even though that wasn't really just Nintendo. Uh, Breath of the Wild has been off to a great start, and that's a game that's been fueled a lot by younger developer suggestions. So I think with that sort of... Well, that hasn't really been marketed at all yet. That's just a matter of people getting it hasn't hands had, on it and loving it. It hasn't had commercials yet, but certainly the way that they, they sort of brought it to the world, uh, at least at, at this past E3, was really stellar. Sure. Um, yeah, fair enough. And so I think... Uh, you know, one of the big problems I had with Nintendo kind of prior to the Splatoon uh, explosion was that a lot of their selling points for their games were really weak. And I don't think mm-hmm. that was up to the sales and marketing people. I think that was up to the development teams. And I think that now that the development teams are kind of re- reforming themselves and producing this stuff that people are really all excited about and that really is easy to sell, like Breath of the Wild, um, I think we'll see yeah. their, their marketing improve just kind of naturally. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, where I kind of come from is I feel like if they, if they, like, I I feel like Wii U is a console that had so much going for it that marketing just didn't really understand how to communicate. Um, Like, the gamepad and off-TV play is really, really valuable. Like, that's, that's, the Wii U is perhaps one of my, you know, for as much as I dump on it for its terrible OS, its terrible online features, everything you guys always hear me dump on it for, it's one of my favorite consoles purely because of features like off-TV play and the, you know, the gamepad being able to work as a TV remote. Um, There's a lot of really fantastic stuff that that system has to offer, and uh, like Miiverse being a sort of mini social network where people can, you know, sort of come to each other with advice and help for games, that's so valuable, and you just never, ever, ever heard their marketing talk about it at all. Not in that way, at least. Sure, but but, I mean, my my point there is kind of if, if they can't get a hold of the valuable features of their console, like, come on. I don't even know what to say to that. Like, yeah, they they had they had trouble. They they didn't have trouble saying what the features were, but they had trouble telling people why they should care. Um, yeah, but you know, I I would hope that 
you know, kind of like I was saying before, that with developing these new products that seem to be more kind of naturally aligned with what people want, um, that shouldn't be as mm-hmm. much of a problem going forward. Right, right. I mean, I, I think the main reason that I got a hold of these features and found value in them is because I bought a Wii U because I like Nintendo. Um, yeah. You know, I found them because I was already interested, but I think those are features that can get people are, you know, interested. It's a perfect living room console, but nobody has it in their living room. My Nintendo is now offering birthday discounts on 3DS and Wii U games in North America, so users can now get 30% off select games from their birthday through the end of the month. Uh, you can head to Gamnesia.com to see the full list of titles. I'm really excited to get really terrible discounts for games I already own. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I was going to say, like, I, I think this is a great idea in theory, but as soon as I saw the details, I realized that they kind of dropped the ball. Like, I, so I, you said... I already own everything in both of those lists, except for Pokemon Super Mystery Dungeon, and I don't want to buy that anyway. So, you know, this is a great example of what we were discussing in the last episode, where these kinds of programs are great for some situations, namely people who aren't really that involved in the Nintendo ecosystem already, but they're kind of meaningless for a lot of others, namely people who are. Like... Ideally, I think a proper birthday reward would be a free, like a free virtual console game of your choice or something like that. Um, but, you know, at the very least, what they should be doing is personalizing the list of applicable games. So, like, any one game off your wish list is 30% off or something like that. Because eight titles, you know, yeah. you already own seven of them. The really Come sad on. thing is, like, on any given week there is a sale going on the PlayStation Store that is, first of all, offering me more off on games that I want and, and on more own. games. Mm-hmm. So, And that's any given week. Yeah, This is their special birthday, birthday. offer. And it's, so yeah. it's just like, even in this world, this, this discount space, Nintendo's behind. Not that I think that they should try to drive their prices down as much as they can. Like, that would right. not be no, good no, for them. But... If they're going to be playing in this discount pool, they really need to be impressing people. They need to be giving more value to the consumers. It's it's not about driving the price of their games down. It's about rewarding consumers properly. So, like, for yeah. example, when we were talking about, um, like, the My Nintendo reward system, a lot of those discounts are for stuff you already own. You know, it just doesn't feel like a reward for doing anything. Um, meanwhile, yeah. you've got stuff like, you know, if you buy a virtual console game on the Wii, you have to pay to be able to upgrade it to the Wii U, uh, even if you own it on the same account. You have to buy it separately on the 3DS, even though they're both linked to your Nintendo network id um and like i know there's you know development costs in those things but so you know some of those reasons are completely fair on their side but as a consumer it's just not appealing period yeah Yeah. so like alex said especially when the competition is doing it better yes yeah so they're gonna have been doing it better for years Oh, yeah. I mean, on the years positive years side, years. one of the games included on the list is Captain Toad Treasure Tracker. So, everybody, <laughs> yes. get yourself a birthday present. I can attest to that. Go get Captain Toad. Um, I should finish that game. Do it. <laughs> All right, and we cannot end Fortune Street without talking at least a little bit about Pokemon Go, which caused a Nintendo to have their best single day on the stock market since 1983. It has single-handedly added billions of dollars to their market value, causing a 10% jump in their stock price overnight, and their stock is now sitting at its highest point in over five years, although it is tumbling a little bit now because, you know, the investor's craze, you know, finished. Um <laughs> 
that's just sort of how the market works. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if any of you guys have commentary on that, but wow. It's so, almost like Nintendo's investors have been telling them for five years that they should release mobile games. Right. <laughs> almost! <laughs> and I think a lot of people are reading this as being about Pokemon Go, when it's not really about Pokemon Go. It's more yeah. about the fact that Nintendo IP actually has huge potential to do really, really well on mobile. Yes. Yeah, and you know they've got both Animal Crossing and Fire Emblem coming this fall, and then two more titles before the fiscal year ends in March of next year. So they still have plans for four more games before the books close this year. So investors are pretty pleased with that. Yeah, and yeah. those will be games that they don't have to split rev- as much revenue with uh, other companies like Pokemon mm-hmm. Company and uh, Niantic. Yeah, but counteracting that, they're probably not going to be nearly as popular. Oh yeah, no, like, but as, I could see as good a game, Crossing I'm sure Fire Emblem is going to be popular. I could yeah, see, I could see, I could see Animal Crossing microtransactions being really profitable. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. So we have now arrived at the beloved lightning round, where we bring you little nuggets of information from the past week. If you want to read more about any of these stories or any of the ones we discussed earlier, you can check them out at Gamnesia.com. The latest podcast episode will show up in the scrolling feature bar at the top of the site, and on that page you'll see all these links. Alright, so first up, recent releases and stuff that is now available for you. On Wii U, Super Mario RPG is now available on the Virtual Console in North America. Minecraft Wii U Edition launched at retail in Europe, and the Callie and Marie costumes are now available in Super Mario Maker. On Nintendo 3DS, Hyrule Warriors Legends Link's Awakening DLC is now available worldwide. Which means you, too, can drop the windfish on your foes. <laughs> Box, Box Boy is now available in North America and Europe. Legend of the Mystical Ninja came to the new 3DS Virtual Console. And Pokemon players can now download Shaman in the 6th Gen games. You mean there's Pokemon games other than Pokemon Go? Yeah, isn't that amazing? Yeah, I thought that was a new IP. So many people don't know that. <laughs> uh, and otherwise, the Kali and Mario Amiibo are now available, as well as the Splatoon Amiibos recolors. Mitomo got more Splatoon content in honor of the final Splatfest. Yogurtland's Mario flavors are now in circulation. You can check out uh, what those flavors are and the dates that they're in circulation at Gamnesia, because we are definitely not keeping track of it on the show for you guys. Uh, and of course, Pokemon Go is now available in select regions, although more should be coming within a few days. Then we've got a bunch of upcoming dates to look out for. July 14th, a new Pokken Tournament Fighter will be revealed, and this year's Camp Meverse kicks off. July 15th, Monster Hunter Generations launches in North America alongside its special edition new 3DS XL. It's already getting stellar reviews, so you might want to check that game out. July 16th, Yokai Watch 3 launches in Japan, and Nintendo kicks off the Summer of Splat in the UK. July 21st, Niantic is holding a Pokemon Go panel at San Diego Comic-Con. July 22nd, there's a Sonic celebration at San Diego's House of Blues, where Sega will reveal the next Sonic game. Also on July 22nd is the final Splat pitting Callie versus Marie. July 24th is your last day to get Shaman on the Pokemon 3DS games. July 31st marks the launch of a 3D... July 31st months... July 31st marks the launch of a Pikachu-themed Pokémon controller. August 6th, the incredibly impressive fan remake of Metroid 2 Return of Samus launches. And I've been really looking forward to this because I've been just begging Nintendo to release a new 2D Metroid for (laughs) roughly a decade now. And I've been playing uh, Super Metroid hacks and stuff, just going out of my mind wanting more 2D Metroid. And I never actually beat Metroid 2 on Game Boy because I just found it kind of... Rightfully so. ...clunky. (laughs) So I'm I'm definitely looking forward to the sort of smoother version of it. I guess yeah, I should absolutely. add the uh, obligatory joke that Metroid fans actually get a Metroid game this year. Whoop. <laughs> uh, and then sometime in winter, Kerbal Space Program comes to Wii U. 
And then finally, a rundown of all the smaller things that happened these past two weeks. Japan's getting three orchestral concerts celebrating the 30th anniversary of the Zelda series, and Donkey Kong's original arcade game turned 35 years old. Ubisoft said that they'll support Nintendo's NX, and that they are one of the best partners in the world. And they'll support their best partner in the world by offering them Just Dance 2017. Woo! <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Miyamoto stressed that... To be oh, fair, a couple of other people in the company have said some positive things about NX. So oh, yeah. Maybe yeah. they'll yeah. actually yeah. support it? Maybe? Yeah, with, Miyamoto stressed that... more Just Dance games. <laughs> 2018! 2019! Miyamoto stressed that Nintendo has never said that they will produce a movie. Uh, Nintendo officially restructured its board of directors, replacing four members. Nintendo also issued a copyright takedown for Kickstarter's gorgeous NES art collection books. A competitive Pichu player in Smash Bros. Melee got caught cheating with a modded console. And two new mobile games launched in China, one blatantly ripping off Splatoon, and another using tons of Nintendo and Smash characters in a crazy RPG. The creator of Axiom Verge is looking into porting it to Nintendo 3DS. And I'm sure you've all heard me say this 10,000 times, but absolutely buy this game. <laughs> Monster Hunter Generations Wind Waker DLC and Star Fox DLC are both coming west. Uh, there's, a, there's an upcoming Bluetooth controller modeled after the N64 controller that works with PC and mobile games. And Nintendo says that they could make a controller for smartphones, but for now, they don't need to. The second wave of Monster Hunter Stories Amiibo has been revealed. Pokemon Red, Blue, and Yellow's Virtual Console Editions will soon be discounted in Europe. Nintendo and Mattel are partnering up for a new series of Mario-themed Hot Wheels. Japan's getting plushies of the Pokemon Sun and Moon starters. And Nintendo is holding a t-shirt contest to win $10,000 and an autographed NX from Miyamoto in person. The emulator making NES games playable with 3D graphics is available now. A fan released an incredible teaser trailer for a short film based on Zelda Majora's Mask. Smashified shows us how Kumatora from Mother 3 would look in Super Smash Bros. Fans are making their own Super Mario Maker bookmark site with tons of extra features. And someone's making an enormous working Game Boy Advance with Pokemon Fire Red version in it in Minecraft. Because why not? Why not? Nintendo filed a patent for a handheld gaming device with virtual buttons and 3D sound, whatever that is. Uh, Nintendo is hiring mobile developers for their Tokyo office. Nintendo still plans to make quality of life devices. Although, based on the language used, it doesn't sound like it's something they're actively doing right now. Kamishima said that they, uh, they added a line about that into their Articles Incorporation in anticipation of future business expansion. So mm. it doesn't sound like it's something that they're working on at the moment. Mm-hmm. And all of Nintendo's directors saw an improved approval rating this year, except President Kimishima. So, uh, we've seen in the past the ratings will go up a little bit or down a little bit, usually depending on if Nintendo made or lost money that year. And so, this year they made money, and everybody's rating went up except for Kimishima. And I don't think this is necessarily a sign that investors are worried about him or unhappy or anything. I think this is, this is just the result of the fact that last year he was just one of many directors in the company, and now he's the head honcho. So I have a feeling that a lot of these shareholders you know, in, in past years necessarily didn't, didn't necessarily know that much about him, whereas now he's sort of going to be on the hot seat just, just by default because he's the CEO. There's, there's going to be more mm-hmm. scrutiny. So I wouldn't say that this necessarily means investors are unhappy but rather just that they're paying more attention to him than they have in the past. Sure. You know how Kamishima can raise his approval rating is to announce a Pokemon Go quality of life device. (laughs) (laughs) So that's all we got for this week's news, but stay tuned because after the break, we are coming right back with the Game Corner all about Pokemon Go. In the meantime, please enjoy Bulby's 8-bit rendition of the Super Training theme from Pokemon X and Y.
more Nintendo Week. I'm your host, Colin McIsaac, still joined by Alex Plant. I'm a Bulbasaur. And Ben Lamoureux. This is true. First and most up in this half of the show is the Game Corner, where we are going to have a long talk about all the wonder that is Pokemon Go. And after that, we are going to have a brief chat about the future of Nintendo Week, so be sure to stay tuned. But for now, let's take it to the Game Corner. Here we are at the Game Corner, a segment where we shoot the breeze about games that have just come out, or games that we've been playing lately, etc. Pokemon Go is available in a few regions around the world, including our very own US of A, and unfortunately Ben the Heathen over here hasn't had the chance to play it yet. But as a non-player, I imagine you can help a lot by asking questions about features and our experiences, so we still love you. No, no, it's too late. The damage is done. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's been a veritable avalanche of Pokemon Go news, uh, far too much for us to brief you on here tonight, although I imagine many of you have been keeping up with a lot of it already, so if not, be sure to check it out amnesia we've got a ton of pokemon go stories to read up on but uh we'll leave that to you listeners as right now is all about our experiences with the game and then from there we'll see about you know how we're doing on time and, and we may move on to talk about how the game affects nintendo as a company um ben you want to start off with a question or alex you want to start off with a story or no uh, let's, and let's something go with else? alex if he's got anything so being the corporate peon that i am I barely ever get to play Pokemon Go except for on the weekends and maybe occasionally when I go for a walk with my wife. So, I have had a lot of fun catching uh, Pidgeys and Zubats and uh, Clefairies, I guess. And so I haven't really gotten to really <laughs> dig into the sort of uh, high-level features like gym battling and uh, egg hatching and exploiting all of these lure modules for Pokestops and stuff like that. But, you know, I have mm-hmm. been running around catching Pokemon in my spare time, and that's been really fun. Um, and I've been loving meeting people, just walking around playing the game and seeing people... Uh, Mm -hmm. In the grocery store, grown-ass adults playing Pokemon Go while they're doing their shopping. (laughs) Uh, People at work in my building playing Pokemon Go while they're at their desks every once in a while. uh, (laughs) Because they're less loyal corporate peons than I am. Um, (laughs) Not throwing anyone under the bus there. You didn't name names, it's all good. Uh, Yeah, that's true. Um... (laughs) So that's that's been re- all really cool. Um, this is definitely like the biggest gaming phenomenon I think I've ever seen. Even yeah, even oh, yeah. like including the original Pokemon games, which were huge, but not like rapidly exploding huge. Um, this is just well, incredible. They they were not huge in the day of social media. True, that's one of the big things I think. True, you know, and um, this is a free game, so you know, so many more people are downloading it and checking it out. Oh yeah, yeah so a lot fun for people that have, have never played Pokemon before who just don't play video games at all. Like a yeah. lot of my friends are telling me their coworkers mm-hmm. are coming to them with all kinds of questions. Like, you like Pokemon, right? Tell me how to work this game. <laughs> yeah. So fun fun uh, fact about yeah. the number of Pokemon Go players is the install base for Pokemon Go is actually higher than the install base for Wii U. <laughs> yeah. Oh <laughs> Not wow, that, you're that's right. A high you're bar, right. But but, um, in like four days. Yeah, in four days. And I know it's a free app, but still, like that means the still. awareness for this game has been huge. In four days. In four days. Bigger than the awareness for an entire console that's yeah, been around for four years. If you ask someone on the street years. if they know what Wii U is, they will probably say no. If you ask them if they know what Pokemon Go is, <laughs> yeah. it'll be a different story. I actually got stopped. Some dude uh, pulled up to me in a car and he's like, what are you looking for? And I go, Venonat. 
and he <laughs> gives me the weirdest look. I thought he was asking about what Pokemon I, <laughs> I was going after. You just assume that all random strangers who approach you want to talk about Pokemon. Well, he says, what are you looking for? <laughs> yeah. We were. That was pretty on the nose. I had already met, like, yeah, I'd already met, like, ten people that night who uh-huh. were also going around the neighborhood looking for Pokemon. Um, so, I'm like, Venonat! And he just goes, what? <laughs> um... I was like, do you have the app? Like, it's a smartphone game. And he's like, all right, well, I, keep it off the streets here. This is, I don't want you creeping around these houses. And I'm like, all right, man. I'm <laughs> so. Um, You're a shady looking character. I guess so. I mean, <laughs> I thought I was the most innocent looking dork around. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, I've, I've been playing it a decent amount. I haven't gotten the chance to go through, like, gym battles. Um, at, at all, Mostly really, because... Or? Because well, I was going to ask you how the battle system feels. I've tried them, but they are glitching out big time, and I'm not alone on this. Like, you'll get them down to one HP, and then the server's just like, nah. And so I've never beaten a gym. Like, I've defeated gyms, but I've never actually beaten them. It hasn't registered that I've beaten I them see. at all. I don't really know how that whole system works. <laughs> you um, personally just can't beat gyms. Niantic has I guess decided. not. <laughs> um, Colin, but, what team are you? Uh, I'm Team Mystic, of course. That's your problem. I don't know why I said of course. That's just, I chose it. That's <laughs> I, I didn't really have a complicated thought process. That's, I like the color blue. That's why you can't I take gyms. Like blue. <laughs> that's why. Bam. Uh, no, Team Mystic has actually been dominating around my neighborhood. Oh. I like hardly see any, any Valor been, or uh, Instinct gyms. It's been all Team Valor around me. Uh, really? Team Mystic right now has the park nearby my house, but as soon as I evolve stuff, mm. I'm going to fix that. Um, Team Valor's <laughs> got the White House and the Pentagon, too, so... Oh, I mean, wow. Oh, it used to be Team Mystic owning that um, And I also saw on Twitter that, like, Team Valor has been... Had a really organized Twitter following where the their, their Twitter oh, yeah? handle has, like... Let me check how many it has. I think it's, like, 13,000 followers. That's pretty good. Whereas Team Mystic has, like, 3,000. <laughs> so, Oof. anyway... Yikes. I'm clearly biased. We're just out catching Pokemon. We're more dedicated than you lazy guys sitting on your Twitter accounts. We're just busy taking over the world. We're we're spending more time in the Pokemon Go app, not the Twitter app. Have either of you felt tempted and or caved into the temptation to spend money on microtransactions yet? Uh, I felt tempted to get more egg incubators, because walking five kilometers for every single egg is kind of a lot to deal with. I haven't done it yet, but... um, it, the prices are low enough that I might just to clear out, you know, my cache of nine eggs. But, well, we'll see. I spent five bucks on lures, I think, because it's really hard for me to, to get Pokemon in the areas where I'm spending most of my time. So yeah. um, it was nice to have more opportunities to play when I was sort of hanging out with people who were also playing while I was hanging out with them. Um <clears throat> And I bought some Pokeballs as well with sort of the surplus. Yeah, you know, if and when I get a better phone and I can actually play it, that's going to be something that matters to me is can I have fun with this for extended yeah. periods of time without spending money? Yes. <laughs> uh, the, the good thing about it is you can get Pokeballs from, like, Pokestops. Mm-hmm. You can get potions. And, uh, yeah, I've and, heard and the Pokeballs are pretty plentiful, at least. Oh, yeah. about items, but... Yeah. So, so what I find that you need to spend money on more than anything else is uh, if you want lucky eggs to increase your experience, you know, you can get a couple of them on level up. Same with, like, incense, which lures Pokemon to you. Um, lure modules, which lures Pokemon to Pokestops. Also lures trainers to Pokestops. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
But um, Pokeballs, I've never found the need to to spend money on. Um, and egg incubators, you can also get some when you level up. So that's I've been dealing with it that way. Um, but I kind of am tempted to just like splurge on multiple egg incubators. Um, but no, I, I've been enjoying it totally free to play so far. And I, I feel like there's a lot of enjoyment that I have not yet had with it because I've just haven't had the time to, you know, leisurely go out and walk around and, and enjoy it to its fullest. So uh, I definitely think it is a very rich, very fun free to play game. That's good. And then the only yeah. uh, mobile game I've ever spent money on was pocket Morty's. And then I just made a one time $5 purchase <gasps> because early on uh, items were so like the the microchips or whatever their version of Pokeballs were so hard to come by early on in the game. I was like, this sucks. So I spent, yeah. uh, I made a one-time $5 payment. And then after that, I was like never tempted to spend money again. I was fine. I was able to get some Mortys, level up, no problem. So, I have never spent a single dollar since I bought that thing in Pocket Mortys. <laughs> yeah. So I'm hoping that, you know, that'll be the same experience with Pokemon Go, where I won't be tempted uh-huh. to spend more than a few bucks, because that's, uh, I just, I don't want to spend money on mobile games, I really don't, and I, I don't yeah. like it when the fun is behind a paywall. Yeah, yeah. I haven't felt that Agreed. way. The only reason why I spent money was because I, I, I didn't have the time to walk around, I guess, at the time I wanted to get more stuff, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So that, that was purely um, a lifestyle choice for me. A couple things that I've noticed about this game, um, one is the the music and the sound effects. The app as a whole is just really, really loud. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's absurdly loud compared to everything else on my phone. Yeah. And there's no volume settings or anything. Like, I would love, I I would love a way to mute, like, the UI uh, sound effects and keep just the sort of gameplay sound effects, because the UI sound effects are, are annoying. Uh, it mm-hmm. just, if I want to just play around with my menus, I can't have the sound on. Because it just yeah, bugs me because it's that's true. It's, it's too much. Um, I mean, I sometimes will turn the music off and have sound effects. Like if I want to listen to a podcast or like listen to music or something like that, sometimes that's what I'll do. Um, sometimes I'll leave the app open and just with sound effects on so that if I can like hear, you know, a Pokemon pops up, it'll tell me. Um, but mostly what I just want is a volume slider of some sort or just make the app run at a lower volume. I don't care if I can control it or not. Just make it quieter. Come on. Um, so that's that's one thing that, that uh, has been kind of bugging me, and I'm sure they'll fix it in a future update. Um, another thing is uh, the, the footprints that you use to track how far away a Pokemon is. Uh, this morning I saw a Ghastly and a Squirtle um, both three footprints away from my house. And so I went out to go catch them and I spent, I think it was 45, maybe 50 minutes running around in all kinds of directions. Uh, I, I went every direction from my house imaginable and in, in long distances and they were, you know, still three feet away no matter where I went. So they need when it's two and one foot it's pretty easy to track them but three feet i just cannot figure out where on earth these guys are um so that's been that's been pretty frustrating um and you know they, they may take a look at that and update it in the future um but you know for the most part I, i've really been loving being able to go out and like feel like a real pokemon trainer like running around the wild and adventuring and exploring and and hunting for these guys like that is exactly the idea of pokemon that at least to me made it so kind of inspiring in the first place and that's that's something that i've really found a lot of value in pokemon go 
um, that I don't find in the main series Pokemon games anymore. Like, honestly, I can see myself sort of transitioning. If Go becomes, like, this really robust sort of experience, and I know it's it should always be a different experience, fundamentally, from the RPGs, um, but... but I think on a on a fundamental level, Go has more of the values that I like in Pokemon than the modern main series games do. So I could sort of see myself transitioning uh, to casual. like a full time Go player. Yeah. No, that's not casual. That's hardcore. I am going out, running in the real world, throwing Pokeballs at stuff. Yeah, that's the thing that Filthy I don't... casuals sit on their couch. That's the thing that I don't really understand about a lot of people who've been complaining that this game is, like, too simple and that it'll, it'll never be good because the other Pokemon games are so much more complex. Because, really, when you think about it, the battle mechanics are a little bit simplified, and you don't have to battle Pokemon to capture them. But other than that, a lot of it's basically the same kind of stuff that you do just kind of on a on a sort of minute-to-minute basis when you're playing the regular pokemon games and actually the the it's process of tracking the real world rather than right using a control stick, right and basically. that was that was kind of where i was going was the the it's actually a little bit more complex because the process of tracking down the pokemon that you want is not just running around in the tall grass until the random number generator gives you what you want you have to you know first of all you have to notice that something's in range uh you have to mm-hmm. kind of try to find a way to get closer to it which you just said you had a lot of, of challenges with um there's mm-hmm. a there is well, a those lot those were of, not good challenges they're not let's be they're clear. not they're not good challenges but it's a challenge that you don't get from the the main series games right and right. in that sense the the integration with the real world is is deeper than what we get from the pokemon games Oh, definitely. I mean, that's that's always been, I think, one of the things that I value the most in Pokemon, and, and that I think a lot of of sort of what people call Gen Oneers, which I think is not really accurate or fair, because um, like I started with Gen Two and then moved on to Gen Three, and people call me a Gen Oneer. That's ridiculous. Um, but. Uh, I, you know, I, I think a lot of that sort of older appeal, the people who have sort of. Um, the lapsed Pokemon fans, I think that is a lot of what they liked in Pokemon in the first place, is this idea that there are these creatures, special powers, living in the world, and, and just this sort of imaginative idea. There's this big adventure waiting for you um, where you meet all these creatures and you go out in the world and explore and just have fun with it. Um, and, and I think that, like for example, Red and Blue was the way to access that idea, back then, but now the way that to access that idea is through GPS and geocaching yep. and AR. And so, um, you know, we, we see this deviation where the RPGs are really more these days about, like, RPG mechanics, and then Pokemon Go can really be more about the adventure and and the journey of being a pokemon trainer uh rather than just getting a, a you know a more fundamental rpg experience yeah you totally hit it on the nose um i'm actually you know this i actually am finishing up an article on this very subject where you know sort of the magic oh, I, I didn't of know that. the magic <laughs> of nintendo games is is the feeling of adventure and and how when nintendo does mm-hmm. is at their best is when they're prioritizing that and making that really the core of the experience so mm-hmm. yeah no i totally agree with you yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, um, let's see. Just uh, you know, th- this game is so rich. There's so much to talk about. I'm just trying to get a sense of what uh, we have yet to discuss. Um, so I guess Alex, you said you haven't. Oh, go ahead. Uh, no, you go ahead. Uh, I was going to say you said you haven't uh, gotten really into the mechanics of like evolution and stuff, right? I mean, I, I know how evolution works. It's just I haven't had time to really go out and catch all the dupes I want. 
Okay, yeah, so that that kind of hits on something another thing that I mean I don't Actively dislike but I, that I, I worry about for the future of Pokemon Go I can really easily see myself getting really tired of having to find Duplicates of so many duplicates of rare Pokemon like for example um, Execute needs 50 execute candies to evolve uh, For those of you listening if you don't already know what like the candies are is like every time you catch a Pokemon you get three candies named after that Pokemon and once you have a certain number of candies, you can evolve that Pokemon. So Execute needs 50 Execute candies to evolve. In my whole time with this, I have found one Execute, and I was very lucky to find that one Execute. I do not foresee myself having anywhere near the level of patience to get to 50 Execute candies. Um, so I don't know how they're going to sort of navigate that, but if there's some way to, like, use microtransactions to get extra candies or, um, you know, I, I don't know how they're going to make the Pokemon, like, maybe feel less rare, but I just feel like the candy system for evolution uh, works great for stuff like Pidgey and Rattata, but really, really badly for the rare ones. Yeah, when I was playing, I was kind of sad that the candies were also tied to powering up CP because a, a way that they could have gotten around this yeah. is to have, after you hit certain milestones with CP, you get uh, candies as a reward as well. But since oh, that would be good. You, and then you just spend the Stardust instead of spending a candy as well. Um, but mm -hmm. that's not how it's implemented right now. Well, and I think trainer battles, like being able to locate a trainer in the real world and, and challenge them would be a great way to like earn candies, for example. maybe if It you... sounds like that's future functionality, so I'm hoping that they'll hopefully. add training into that. And hopefully candies that. are the reward. Yeah. Like if you use, for example, an execute to defeat their, you know, whatever other Pokemon, yeah. uh, then you get execute candies as a reward. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, at least for now, I would have imagined that like CP is the reward for battling and, and the candies are the, you know, uh, or, or, or maybe battling just gives you experience towards leveling up and, and then you use candies to power up but not to evolve like i, I don't know it just yeah. feels like the mechanics are too sort of jumbled up within candies themselves um yeah they could have had each of these mechanics have a, kind of a, a distinct way. but interrelated effect but instead the candies yeah. kind of are the 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 underpinnings of everything Right, they're for CP, they're for evolution, they yeah. are acquired by catching Pokemon, right. like, yeah. Right. Um, um, yeah. So what is the, it, uh, the favorite Pokemon you guys have caught? What, what's your prized position? Ooh, probably my Lapras. Ooh. I found a Lapras out of nowhere, and apparently, I found it on, like, the first day, nice. and apparently they're, like extremely rare so i found that out afterwards and yeah so i i like my lapras a lot um, um what about you alex for me it's still my starting bulbasaur and oh. the psyduck i just caught the other day which is weak at, oh nice but it's a psyduck so i don't care um, <laughs> i found a pikachu at dinner on sunday night and then the game crashed on me before i could do anything oh, and i was very that happened upset to me the ghastly today oh man uh but um, that was um, before the latest mm -hmm. update, so hopefully that, that kind of issue is fixed. That's good. 
Um, I also, like, I, I am getting attached to a lot of Pokemon, too, because what I've been doing is I have been, um, I have, like, a third-party keyboard installed on my iPhone, um, because it looks cool and I like it, but I've been using the autocorrect, which is absolutely nuts on that one, um, like, far crazier than Apple's autocorrect, <laughs> um, to nickname my Pokemon, so I'll enter the Pokemon's real name and see what it just thinks I'm trying to say. My Vaporeon is named Ballerina. Tauros is Twirls. Clefairy is Cleveland. <laughs> Beedrill is Barstool. Uh, Magnemite is Marvelous. Venonat is Celibate. Psyduck <laughs> is Patrick, which is great. Um, and Nidor Nidoran Man. Highway Man. Somehow. So, yeah. I, That's I've, an I've interesting way in to date Pokemon. I like it. Yeah, no, the, yeah. The, the Nidoran thing really doesn't make sense to me. Everything else I could yeah. see. Oh, well, that's kind of close to where that would be on the keyboard, but. Yeah. No. Goldine is golden, which is a good one. Um, Goldie, we've got Goldie. Nidoran female is misunderstand. Zubat is subatomic. Metapod is megapixel. Uh, Jigglypuff is historiograph because it couldn't fit the H. Um, just like. Just like Nidoran female is misunderstand because it couldn't fit the D. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> Life in Colin McIsaac's iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man! I, I had, I've had the app open uh, for a lot of the time when we're recording this episode, and I've had my eye on a Nidorino uh, that has been in my backyard for this entire time, and just now it disappeared. Someone got it. It's taking too long. No, that actually doesn't happen. You can catch the same... Multiple no. people can catch the same Pokemon. I did not know that. At least in my experience. And, you know, maybe that has something to do with the servers. Because I know people have been saying that, that people can, you know, catch a Pokemon and then it disappears for other trainers. But... Uh, there's a freaking Rhydon nearby. Mm. Ooh, you gotta go... Rhydon or Rhydon? Rhydon. I have some Rhyhorns already. Go, 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 Wow! Go. God, get out of here! <laughs> we can take a catch break. Um, uh, Team Instinct has the park well, now. It, That's weird. Yeah, so, I mean, if we're done talking about Pokemon Go, I mean, I feel like I could talk about it for a lot longer, but it sounds like things are winding down. Yeah. I would agree. It's dinner time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, Alex, you can uh, go out and catch that ride on in just a second. Um, but right now... Hey, listener. Yes, you, listener. So... The big future whatever for Nintendo Week that we're considering is is that we're considering becoming a bi-weekly show. So that's once every two weeks rather than once every week. Um, at least until NX launches and there's more going on in the world of Nintendo because news has been really slow right now. Um, the main reason for this is that it's really just an insane amount of work putting together each episode. Um, you know, for you listeners, an hour long may feel like a short amount of content every week, but I'm sure you understand. It's a very dense hour. Uh, like, we have a lot, far fewer laid-back, long-form discussions than a lot of podcasts do. And, and I think that's what makes us special. But dense it also means... <laughs> But it also means that, you know, between planning the show and, like, editing the audio and recording and making images for the posts, you know, we spend probably around 12 hours producing each individual episode. And that's not counting all the work that myself and our amazing video editor do for the podcast highlight videos that we post to YouTube, post those little clip articles, um, you know, on the site. So... 
Anyway, this is a really, really hard choice for us to make because we really don't want to have to scale back, um, especially because we know for, you know, all you Nintendo fans out there listening, you know, who only have, like, two games to wait for in the next nine months, you know, content like ours is what stops the community from going insane. So... Alex and Ben, I mean, if you guys have anything to add in a minute here, I'd really love to have a brief discussion so we can just elaborate a little bit on some of the things that are influencing this decision on our end. Because unfortunately, I didn't really have the time to plan this piece out as well as I wish we could. Um, and everyone else, listeners, whether you're at home or at the gym or out catching Pokemon, it's especially important that we hear from you guys. I really, really want to get a full, rich dis dialogue going uh, about what the show means to you guys and you know what you want to see from us about your listening habits and so we, we can really just figure out a way to make this show work better for us while working better for you guys um or, or at least not working worse for you guys at the very least we would hope um so yeah i mean i'd love for you guys to reach out to the three of us on twitter so we can start this dialogue going and we may find it's better to form like a facebook group for our little Nintendo Week listener community to congregate and continue that discussion, or maybe like a subreddit, or who knows. Um, but yeah, start by reaching out on Twitter. We'll give our handles in just a moment. We've already decided to cancel next week's episode, so hopefully over the next two weeks we can get a lot closer to figuring out how we want to approach the show in the longer term and in the shorter term future, too. Um, so just as you guys come to us every week, we're coming to you looking for help. So I'm looking forward to hearing what you guys all have to say. And I'm looking forward to getting to meet all you guys, talk to you all you guys, and figure out how we can um, make this work, why it's not quite working out the way we hope right now, and, and what we can do to improve it for everyone. So um, Alex and Ben, do you guys want to jump yeah, in? Yeah, so, so just kind of to elaborate on something you were saying, um, it's kind of quiet in the world of nintendo right now i know pokemon go is blowing everything yeah. up but we can't talk about pokemon go every podcast um i mean we, <laughs> we can, could but it, i don't it, it think that be would be great. fun i'd be left out <laughs> yeah you still have oh, played well, maybe we should consider and Alex, this con. you still need to play shovel knight i've played most of what? shovel knight oh have you yeah um was it ben Anyway, um, so the anyway, I think a lot of it has to do with the timing for us starting this podcast being not really the perfect timing because we started it right as we were kind of heading into the craziest Nintendo drought of all time. Um, yeah, which, so that's not really what we had in mind. We could kind of see coming in hindsight, but not. not you know, this I would have thought you know Zelda was going to come out in 2015 or maybe 2016, mm -hmm. and NX might have come out in 2016, and all of that stuff's been pushed back. And rather than try to stretch this thing out any more than we have to, um, I, th I I'm, right. I'm totally down with the decision to uh, try to make each episode better than rather than trying to justify having an episode every week. Right. No. Yeah. And that's a, that's a lot of where I'm coming from, and and sort of jumping on part of that too is uh, you know a lot of what's going on in this drought is the the stuff that is making bigger headlines is stuff that is not happening. Right. And that's why it's making headlines because Nintendo is in such a big drought. And, you know, I, I hear some of you guys sort of complaining that we're too negative on Nintendo. I mean, this isn't like a super common complaint, but, you know, I do hear it. We're too negative on Nintendo. You know, we're such pessimists, you know, be more, have more faith in them. But, you know, when the biggest news is that they're doing something wrong, you, it's kind of hard 
kind of hard to avoid that. Yeah. Um, and I will say... Um, but, you know, we I've have been... faith that they can do lots of stuff really right, but it's just not happening in 2016. And that's that's part of the issue is, well, I don't feel great feeling so, you know, raining down on Nintendo all the time, but... Oh, you I know. have no real problems doing it. And I say that because me well, <laughs> me I say that because me ragging on Zelda for the last like five years produced exactly the result I was looking for. So I'm totally down to complain to <laughs> Nintendo all day long every day. But I'm it's sure tough love. <laughs> but I'm sure it's not I'm sure it's not fun to listen to me beat the same dead horse like every week. Right. So No, exactly, exactly. We don't need that every single individual week. Um but you know, I know there's a lot of great content from us that you guys love hearing every single week, and so that's part of part, that's part of why. Uh, that's why it's a hard decision. We haven't really made the decision yeah. yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I have a few thoughts, and they all kind of go together. We we discussed this a little bit before we recorded briefly, um, and I was a little concerned that if we go to every two weeks, uh, you know, there'll be there'll be like this huge mound of news sort of build up, and we're going to have to get rid of a lot of it. So you're going to miss out on. Uh, you might miss out on some of the news, and then other news might not be quite as relevant anymore if it's, you know, mm-hmm. eight, nine, ten days old. Um, so I was a little concerned about that. And I'm also a little concerned about the fact that uh, we'll only be able to do our special segments like the Game Corner or interviewing someone or the Tea Table or Mystery House, you know, so on and so forth. You you guys wouldn't have as much of that. Um, but I really liked Colin's idea about doing a Facebook group. Honestly, I think that would be great to sort of oh, interact yeah? with the community if there's interest in that, because just because of the fact that, you know, I, I write a lot for Gamnesia and I share a lot of uh, our stories to Facebook and such. Mm-hmm. I'm on Facebook all the time anyway, just for work. So <laughs> I think that would be uh, an interesting way for us to interact with the community more and just kind of sort of uh, shoot the shit about general news in a more casual setting so that you won't feel like you're missing as much when... Uh, if we go to a every two weeks kind of format and you're not getting a hundred percent of the Nintendo news every week. Uh, yeah, and then on that's, top of that, great. We, I'd also like to hear from the community about which one of our, or multiple of our special segments you like the best so that if we're only doing a special segment every two weeks or maybe uh, two smaller ones or whatever, that we can make sure we're prioritizing the ones that you, the listeners enjoy hearing the mm-hmm. most. Mm-hmm. So a couple things there. Um, I know it's it can be easy sometimes in a podcast, especially audio only, for people to sort of uh, zone out a little bit. So, uh, and we haven't given our Twitter handles yet, so people can't jump on there and, and type immediately. Uh, so if you're listening and you you want to figure out ways to help us, um, uh, make a sort of mental note or maybe write it down. So. Uh, let us know on Twitter what you think of the idea of a Facebook group, whether you'd use it. Uh, let us know on Twitter what your favorite um, uh, segments are in the show. And uh, one thing that you touched on, Ben, and and people remember to, to bring this up in our discussions on Twitter, um, is uh, like the relevance of news. And one of the questions I have for you listeners is, do you listen to our show like in order to stay up to date with Nintendo news, or do you already do that at Gamnesia? Do you already do that on like other websites like IGN or Kotaku or something? Um, part of part of what I'm kind of unclear on in this show is where we sort of tread the line between being a fully informative news recap show versus being like an opinion show. And I like to think that we do a good job splitting the difference, but um, you know as 
seeing as there's just so little news going on right now and there's so much more work uh, for any given podcast, like, you know, it's it's harder and harder to to know where that appropriate line is. So I wonder um, if if my thoughts on how well we're doing are not necessarily actually accurate to your listening habits. Um, and in that light, I sort of wonder whether maybe it could be an interesting idea to like alternate every other week, do a half hour news show and then a half hour discussion show. Um, so we cut down the amount of work in half every week, but you still get something. I mean, 30 minute podcasts, like I know as someone who listens to podcasts, that would be pretty disappointing. Um, I would, I would much rather see, you know, an hour, hour 15 long podcast every other week than half an hour every single week. But you know, if, if that's not what you guys would rather see, let, let us know. I really want to hear from you. Um, is that it? I think that's it. Yeah, but earlier I was supposed to remind you, oh, shit, a Butterfree, and I forgot. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> uh, that's still here. I'm, I'm, the Knit Arena went away, but Butterfree's <laughs> safe and sound. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Um, oh, and the other thing I was thinking of is... Um, the audio quality of the show, uh, I spend a lot of time editing any individual episodes to make sure, like, because we record over Skype sometimes, Google Hangouts sometimes, so there's a little bit of latency in what we say. It's like if you've ever seen a news show where the broadcaster stops talking and then the person on the field stands there for, like, five seconds before they do anything <laughs> at all. Like, we get that kind of weirdness in the audio. Um, and so I spend a lot of time editing that out so it sounds like a smooth discussion for you guys. Um, and I, I wonder, like, you know... I think that that makes the show a lot, lot, lot better, and I don't want to sacrifice that. But if you guys, you know, just like you might disagree about a half hour every week, if you guys disagree about that, if you would be fine hearing the unedited audio, maybe we could try putting up an episode with, you know, totally unedited audio. Um, you know, that's something to play around with, too, because that would also help very greatly with, uh, like, the amount of work that goes into each episode. Um, Although, as a creator, I would not be nearly as happy with them, but, you know, it, it's partly up to you guys, too. Um, I think that's all I have to say. Um, is that all you guys have to say? I got yeah, I uh, think I'm good. I got my two cents. All right. All right, so uh, my Twitter handle is at Colin McIsaac. That's C-O-L-I-N-M-C-I-S-A-A-C. Alex? Uh, mine's at Legend of Lex. Spell it like it sounds. And Ben? I don't often use Twitter, but my handle You should use Twitter for this, though. Yeah, it's at Aramgard, E-R-I-M-G-A-R-D. And what is that backwards, Ben? That is Dragmire backwards, which is the bullshit last name the Nintendo of America localizers gave Ganondorf in A Link to the Past. Excellent. Uh, <laughs> I picked well, it in everybody... 2007 when I was an edgy teenager and thought it was cool. You mean you're not an edgy teenager who thinks he's cool? <laughs> Maybe a little bit. <laughs> So, everybody, thank you all so much for listening. This is the Endo Nintendo Week for today. Before we go, I'd like us to remember that it has now officially been one year since Satoru Iwata passed away. Uh, we wrote a brief article in Memoriam at Gamnesia if you'd like to take a look. And this week's outro music is dedicated in his honor once again. Uh, it's the very same arrangement of Earthbound Smiles and Tears that we used last year by the New Japan BGM Philharmonic Orchestra. 
If you like this podcast, you can subscribe to us on iTunes or subscribe to us on YouTube at Gamnesia TV for bite-sized discussions from the show. And please head to iTunes to leave us a review. We are really working hard to make this show great for you guys, and we're about to be working even harder. Um, so please head to iTunes, and those reviews really mean a lot. They help a lot of new listeners discover the show. Um, they really help us get good feedback. So if you haven't done that, please do. It is greatly appreciated. If you have feedback for Nintendo Week, please send it to colinagamnesia.com. That's C-O-L-A-N at G-A-M-N-E-S-I-A. Or you can find me on Twitter at Colin McIsaac. And remember to send in your questions about Nintendo, about our show. We love engaging with you guys, and we read them and talk about them here on the show. So it's a great way to get involved. Again, that's colinagamnesia.com and at Colin McIsaac. Alex. You can find me on Twitter at Legend of Lex. And Ben. At Aramgard. If you can't wait till next week for more of our stuff, you can head to Gamnesia.com to see more gaming news as it happens. We got Sony, Microsoft, Indie, you name it, and even Nintendo news that we didn't have the time to discuss on this week's show. On our way out, we invite you to take a moment to remember a man who is one of the most special members of the Nintendo community. And don't be afraid to tear up. We understand. <laughs>